Okay. Hey guys. So today I have um, Goro Gupta and he has three companies. He works in um, the financial kind of area. He's bought over 20 properties um, and works with, with wealth and, um, and also mindset around wealth as well. Um, so I'm really excited to have him on today and um, yeah, thanks. Thanks, um, Goro. So can you just introduce yourself a little bit more? Um, about, I guess, a bit about your background and your story? Mm -hmm. Sure. Now, El, uh, Ellie, this is actually my first podcast, so listeners, be kind. <laughs> I guess is the, uh, is the pre frame around that. So, um, a little bit about myself. So, uh, I'm currently 33. Uh, I came to Australia when I was seven, uh, bought my first property when I was 18 second when I was 19 and so on and so forth. Um, currently, I own three companies. One of them is a company that works with people like Tony Robbins and his clients, helping them get financed to attend that next level of breakthrough courses that they need to. Uh, the other company is Yellow Brick Road. I own one of the franchises. Uh, they approached me and said, we need someone of your caliber on board, someone who's got the experience. And they basically gifted me a franchise. So I'm blessed to own Yellow Brick Road Preston. And I also own a property mentoring company that does uh, authentic property mentoring to help our clients build their own property empire. And that's called 10 properties in 10 years. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so can, how did, how did you get into this? You know, when I was 16, my, uh, my dad attended a, uh, a property seminar, believe it or not, uh, back when uh, seminars were unheard of. And uh, he attended this seminar and he got, he got motivated and he actually, part of the seminar was, you know, go and buy a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And after reading that book, that actually gifted me Rich Kid, Poor Kid. So if any of you have got children um, in their early teens, especially, that is an amazing book to read. Mm. Uh, and if they're in the late teens, you know, when they're getting to the 18, 19, gift them Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It, it's one of the best gifts you can give to, I guess, your siblings, relatives, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, awesome. And that's how I started. And, you know, when I was, when I was 18, um, after reading that book, uh, my parents said, here's a gift of 30 grand. Now, you can go and buy the car you want to, right? Or you can, um, or you can basically invest it in the property. And I chose the property. And then ever since then, I've had nice, sporty dream cars because of, I guess, the success I've had since then. But I chose the driver Camry as my first car. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Hmm. That's a good choice. <laughs> most people I know when I was I know when I was in high school, um, most of the guys wanted like skylines and <laughs> things like that. And uh, I think it's really important to, uh, like you said, teach teach your kids those kinds of things. Even my kids now they're only six and four, and I teach them about saving money, giving money to others, and and managing managing money as well. I think. You need to start from a young age. Yeah, and we don't get taught a lot of this stuff at school. And I was I was really surprised. Even at, I went to one of the best, um, you know, most educated schools in Australia called Melbourne High School. Mm. Uh, and my classmate was uh, Russell Kogan from Kogan.com fame. Okay, and cool. He was actually one of my classmates. Mm. Even then, you know, we weren't actually taught, you know, hey, you know what? If you put your money in this type of account, you will save a shit ton part of my French. Is that's, it okay if I swear a little yeah, bit? Yeah, that's totally fine. I'd rather be real. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, 
And, um, you know, you'd save a shit ton of interest if you just did this thing or that thing. But we don't support that. And I think that's a combination of uh, lazy schooling from the industrial era yeah. as well as a bit of a conspiracy from the banks to, you know, get people paying interest for as long as they can for, for you know, basically to line their pockets even more. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's funny you talk about the industrial era because I was talking about that on a live stream this morning in regards to the hustle and the employee mentality. And I think that so many people have this employee mentality still, even as an entrepreneur, where they think I've got to work more hours to make more money when really you've got to be smarter with, with the work that you do and the hours that you work and, and, and manage your money as well. Um, and, you know, something I found this year as I was making more money, um, my lifestyle just started going like this. <laughs> and then I kind of, yeah, with a financial advisor, got that under control a bit. And instead of just going, oh, well, there's an abundance of money out there and I can make more, actually, like having that mindset still, but then also thinking about managing my money and being smart with it as well, which I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, it's it, there. Are, there are some simple things that people can do to really completely shift their lives. And um, it said even even most people don't get taught this, even if they are exposed to the industries you and I are exposed to. Mm. Uh, they might get a, a, a small um, you know a small introduction. If you try to do this, then this will happen. If you try to do that, that will happen. But a lot of the people out there in this industry, and I get on my soapbox about this, <laughs> especially in our seminar industry, yeah. uh, they they they're in it to they're in it to obviously sell those high end courses or sell properties that are thoroughly overpriced or what have you and I, I get pissed off when I see that. Yeah. Right? So even even the secondary level of education puts people in more debt rather than helps people come out of debt. Yeah. And when I was working for a particular person who who's recently had his himself banned, um, I guess the gift from that, there was a few gifts apart from just touring with, you know, touring Australia with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Richard Branson and all the likes yeah. um, and speaking on the same stage as them. But one of the gifts that I got was that to see that people are open to change in the current, current market um, and the current era that we live in where we have access to information, it's easier for people to change now than it was five or ten years ago because we have access. And if people are given the right education, most people will follow through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. Awesome. So uh, so you started out with the seminar, the seminar kind of circuit, is that right? Oh, are you there? Yep. Can you hear me? I think I'm in. Yep, I can hear you now. Yeah, so you started out with the seminar kind of circuit. Is that right? Uh, well, look, um, it's a little bit interesting. So I'll go back from the history. Um, so when I was 17, I started my first company. Yeah. I uh, attended a Tony Robbins event uh, when I was 19 and didn't have the money uh, at that stage in my company to do his high-end course, which at that stage was 15 grand. Now it's actually a little bit cheaper, believe it or not. But I borrowed that money. Um, and basically paid my paid my parents back that money within three months, which, you know, incidentally gave me an idea for a new business that I now run. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I started off with that, and I was I basically stole touchscreen cash registers and started working with different businesses about their you know financial management solutions. Mm-hmm. So I was doing this while I was buying property along with my parents. 
So having a good foundation there with my parents was really powerful for me. And if any of any any people, including yourself, on this podcast, invest with your kids. Don't make them separate. Bring them up for a younger age, and that's what happened. So I was brought up from I would consider an age where I was ready to learn and grow. Um, attended the Tony Robbins events, sold that company when I was about 24, retired for, I guess, about two or three weeks, got completely bored, <laughs> went to work for corporate. That didn't work out. Um, corporate and me just don't work, right? <laughs> Too much infighting and backstabbing. and <laughs> right. I don't do business that way. Yeah. I, 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 I'm big on uh, making sure that, you know, the clients get the end result and focusing on the task that you need to focus on. Yeah. Being there from nine to five, if, if you're getting the end result, doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Exactly. And uh, I guess one of the reasons why I left is because I like to come in at 10 o'clock and leave at six or seven o'clock because most of my clients would be too busy replying to their own emails at nine o'clock. And so I saw no use being talking to a client before 11. Um, kind of like Tim Ferriss's story, yeah. um, if for our work week, it was very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, you know, that's basically why I got upset and left. And, you know, I was making, what, I was 25 and earning $140,000 back in 2007. Yeah. And I chose to leave that. Yeah. And then I, um, I, I found a similar company who I worked who I who I wanted to work for because this guy seemed like the Aussie Tony Robbins, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. So I continue my personal education journey in that time um, and purchasing properties and all that. And um, basically I started working for this gentleman who at that stage was fairly ethical, um, what I would call fairly ethical. Mm-hmm. Um, as, I cho- as I started working, uh, working with him, um, one day he, um, he said, oh, shit, Goro, this speaker hasn't... hasn't um, hasn't shown up. Can you speak on stage for, for this <laughs> gym? And uh, with, with about two minutes of preparation, I was uh, pushed out on stage and um, I started um, emceeing a lot of the events, including, as I mentioned before, um, you know, spoke, uh, I was blessed to travel Australia with Arnie and yeah. um, Tim Ferriss, Richard Branson and a few of these other guys and really got to see what they were really like behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, but what the underside, the dark underside, was the richer this uh, this person got, the more unethical he got. And um, yeah. I saw the wall and got upset and chose to leave and start up my own company. And that was how my 10 Properties in 10 Years company was born. Yeah. And so that's why we call it Authentic Property Mentoring. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen I've seen that a lot as well where people start to get more successful or more fame or more money and they just chain or they probably had it inside them the whole time anyway, because I don't think people change completely, but they start to just be, I don't know, just um, bragging about it or um, just into like material possessions and not really helping people like being and doing some dodgy things as well. And I don't think that's right. I think you should always over deliver and and do it from a place of just loving and caring about people exactly if you're not creating raving fans why are you doing business yeah totally yeah and back on that business mindset i've I've noticed you said that a lot of business owners find it challenging 
wearing all these different hats because they're in that job mentality. Yeah. I believe a business owner should leverage as much as they can and focus on one or two things they are amazing at, especially if they're artists. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I'm assuming a lot of the business owners who are listening to this podcast um, or, or watching it or how have you uh, are artists at the end of the day, right? Yeah. They, they love something. And for me, my role in my business is to help deliver the content to my clients yeah. and create raving fans, right? Yeah. That's it, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. three companies. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I've done that a lot this year where I, I love, um, I'm, I really specialize in, in the expert in mindset and sales. And it's just what I love. I've been in sales for 11 years almost. Um, I worked in call centers for five years before I started my first business and been in business almost six years. So I just love that and I love mindset. Um, and I can get people results with mindset very, very quickly. Whereas IT stuff and marketing I'm, I'm good at, but I don't like the technical side of like Facebook ads and all of that and um, tech stuff and design and little fiddly bits. So now in my mastermind group, even at a low end, I have an IT guy in the group who answers people's questions. I have my assistant who saves my life basically, but she does design and photography and film as well. And then I have a copywriter in the group as well. So these people can answer the questions that would take me ages to figure out myself. Like I have the knowledge, but I'd really have to think more than the stuff that just comes off the top of my head. And it gives my clients more value but it leaves me that time and energy to, to do what I'm really, really good at and what I love. Exactly. And that, that's what brings out uh, most business people as well. You know, they get burnout because they're focusing on the, on the things that um, come up on, on their desk that's urgent but not important, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah which I'm really glad. So having a team around you is actually really important. Yeah. Um, with that his employees or, or other people from other different industries who specialize in that field. Yeah. And uh, so kudos to you and um, your team for doing that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And, and you know, like you don't have to be in an office. Like I, I work from my home, like I'm sitting in my movie theater at the moment. Um, and me and my assistant work from, from here every day. So you don't need to have an office to have a team either. Um, exactly. Yeah. But okay. So what were, what were the next steps? Um, I guess from there and like, how did your journey evolve from that? So after I bought my first, uh, I guess three properties or four properties, so I forget. Bought <laughs> <laughs> my first three or four properties, dad and I decided to buy together because he, we saw the forethought and it's like, we, we look at property investing, not just from what's happening today, but what's going to potentially happen a decade from now? So dad was, you know, just over a decade away from retirement. He said, now it's going to get hard for the banks to lend me money. Let's invest together. And so we started to invest together and really build that empire. And that gave me a really powerful lesson. Yeah. And the lesson was that you can become rich, but true wealth comes through generations. Yeah. Cool. True wealth comes through generations. So you might become rich. But real wealth will happen when your children to take on that mantle and expand the money you've already got. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right? That's my personal belief. And look, if you look at any Eastern, um, any Eastern form of wealth, it's come through generations. 
Uh, Western wealth is different. Um, Russian wealth is very different. It's first generation. You can see that they're just spending the money as quickly as they receive it and they yeah. do all these crazy things because yeah. they're rich, not wealthy. And yeah. it all and that also comes down to mindset. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I believe real, real wealth over three generations is the rule. I mean, my, uh, I've seen this happen. My, my, my granddad didn't have, have enough money to send my dad to high school. Yeah. Right? He, he, had, he had my dad tending sheep in a farm. Yeah. Right? And, um, you know, my uh, um, granddad's brother-in-law saw that that wasn't good, took him in, educated him, and dad got a scholarship to attend his high school. And, you know, now he's got two master's degrees and all that sort of jazz. Yeah. Um, you know, top of the class. Um, but basically, and then, you know, that flowed on. <coughs> Sorry, that flowed on. We took a risk uh, by coming to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in Dubai. We, do, we were doing okay, but Dad wanted to leave Dubai because it was really unfair back then, yeah. especially on people of Indian origin, yeah. which is where we were from. Yeah. Uh, and to a point where he had his passport taken from one stage-wise employer. Right, um, but basically, we left Dubai, and Dad Dad had two dreams: a to leave uh, to leave sort of the Indian Middle East, and b to start up a business. Yeah. Um, and so, when we came to Australia, it the good time had just finished. We came during the recession; the recession had just started. So you know, seeing my dad without a job for three years, and my little who had just been born. And our family trying to get through that. And when you can't, when you can't go to a primary school excursion and have to make up a bullshit excuse because yeah. money is a concern in your life, you appreciate the hell out of money in the future. Totally, totally. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it is literally. I'm grateful every time I get on. For example, I get to. I love Qantas. Um, I know most people don't like it, but yeah. I, I love their first in business class. Yeah. Um, it's the next level. Yeah. Um, every time I'm on there, I'm just so grateful that wow, this is, you know, this was once not even a dr- not even able to be a dream, and it's yeah. there now. But yeah. it's not just me that's created. It's the people before me that have allowed that creation to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I can I can relate to that a lot as well. I, I moved from England when I was um, four. And because my parents wanted to create a better life and lifestyle for us and both my parents have run their own businesses all their lives. And um, I really feel that I got my entrepreneurial kind of spirit from them, um, which I've only just really kind of put two and two together (laughs) recently. Um, But yeah, I I can relate to a lot of that. And also um, about six years ago, I had no money. I was living off Centrelink and that's when I started that's when I started my first business and it was that push to get a, that away from motivation to kind of get to um, where I am now. Cause I wanted to create a better life for my family. Um, but then on the other hand, this relates to what you're saying as well, that I got to that stage where the lifestyle was just getting a bit out of control because I think when you get to a certain level, you don't need that away from motivation anymore. And it's that towards motivation of, okay, well, I'm not in a shitty position anymore. I, I have everything I need. What's what's next? What's the next level? I don't need that push and that hustle from getting away. I need something. You need something bigger outside of yourself, right? Well, I, I, I also do believe that this might sound a little bit uh, stoic, 
um, that we do need to put ourselves through difficult situations to grow. Yeah. Um, and about three years ago, I, uh, after I left that seminar company, I put myself through a different, uh, difficult situation where I said, you know what, my property money is my property money. While I go and learn how to build an authentic um, mentoring company, which, you know, took a lot of effort and mindset, I'm going to go work for someone else and build my own little ethics around that and live on just the in- measly little income that they provide. Yeah. Um, that was one of the toughest years of my life, but I grew so much. Yeah. And you learn when... When either money's a problem, major problem, or when money's not a problem in your life is when you learn about everything in the middle that really matters. Yeah, totally, totally. I think not enough people have that urgency as well in their business, so they're just kind of getting through each day, um, just kind of not making the most of it rather than giving themselves that urgency or whether it's living on less money or a deadline or whatever to really push themselves forwards. Well, part of, part of what I do with my clients now is a lot of people don't realize the power of living on slightly less money than what they expect. And part of what I do when I do my property mentoring is show them, okay, look, if you have a home and you have a certain type of mortgage and we put a right structure in place, and you sort of divert some of your business accounts to that, including your GST that you need to keep aside for the government. Hopefully everyone's paying GST here, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. Including that money that, you know, you need to keep aside for the government. If you have the right type of account set up, it will literally shave 20 plus years off your mortgage. Yeah, wow. If you do one small shift and do it right. Yeah. And as soon as that starts happening, abundance starts flowing through naturally and then you can start working on the inner stuff, the stuff between here. Yeah. Instead of worrying about, hey, am I going to, what's my cash feel like next month, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and I think so many people, they would live in that kind of thing where you want that instant gratification rather than thinking about that long-term or the bigger picture. And something my financial advisor got me to do this year was put 35% aside each week for my GST and tax. Um, and so what I do, all my money goes into my GST tax account every week. And then I actually put 65% into my normal account. So it's like I'm paying myself a wage every week. And it's like, oh, I, I just got paid. <laughs> so it's kind of, I like doing that. Sneaky suggestion. Yeah. Um, do you, let me ask you do, you, do you have a property yourself? No, I don't. I want to buy, uh, buy an investment property. So when you buy an investment property, either an investment property or the one you live in, mm. there's a certain type of loan and people who are listening to this, if you just take away this and nothing else, this could and learn how to execute properly, this could shift your life. Yeah. Sorry, my clan is here. Just give me a moment. Hold on for a sec. Uh, yeah, okay, sorry, could you come back a little bit later? Okay. That's all right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe 10 or 15, if that's okay. That's okay. So, I, can, I can get my assistant to edit that out. <laughs> cleaners are great. You, yeah. You, you know, one changes your life um but anyway i've saved i've seen so many marriages the cleaner saves um because there's not as much mess in the house anyway let's move on so one key thing um the one key thing that happens if if you're able to do it and you've got a property and you've got a business once you get that property just before you get it talk to your mortgage broker 
ideally a mortgage broker rather than a bank because they'll try to convince you otherwise. Get a variable loan with a offset account, okay. right? And if you're a business owner, try to find a loan product with multiple offset accounts. There's only about three banks that will do this. Okay. And an offset account is the biggest and easiest tool you can use to build your wealth rapidly, okay. in my opinion, right? What an offset does is that it offsets the amount of your home loan with, um, with the money you have in your bank savings. Okay, cool. So if you have 250000 if you have a $300,000 loan and 50000 sitting in your offset, the interest is only calculated on, on 250000 instead of three hundred. Mm, okay, cool. Um, but here's the other thing. It, because interest is calculated every day, you're actually making a microtransactional benefit for yourself every single day. Yeah. Now, if you're receiving mon- money from a GST perspective and keeping that aside, mm. imagine if that money helps you pay your home loan off quicker. Yeah, awesome. Set up a multiple offset account facility and have the money sitting in one of the accounts that pays your home off, basically offsets your home loan, you're technically using the government's money to help you pay off your own home loan yeah. or your investment property loan. That's awesome. Which is amazing. Yeah. Right? And, and I do financial projections and typically people follow that path on, say, a four to $500,000 property. Most people are able to pay that off within 10 years. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And I, I pay enough tax, so may as well use it to your advantage, right? <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. And so actually kind of on that topic, um, would you, if someone's just starting out, would you recommend buying the home that they, that they want to live in or buying an investment property first? You know, this is really interesting. We actually covered this yesterday in a, um, a a relatively small event with Mark Boris and Andrew Morello, Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Boris from, you know, the apprentice in yellow brick road fame. Okay. Uh, And Andrew Morello was the first winner of the apprentice in Australia. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and so we actually had this question asked of us in that small meeting. Mm. And the answer was, is that it depends, right? Yeah. If you, can, if you can rent where you want to live and buy where you should own, that is ideal. Now, what that means in English is that it's really simple. If, if the place is costing you a lot more to rent, uh, a lot less to rent than to buy, Let's say the property is 600000 and it's only costing you $400 a week to rent. Well, here's the thing. To buy that place for 600000 you'd spend about $550 on the mortgage. Yeah. Right? Um, so the question is, well, if you are able to, instead of that money, buy two properties, both provide cash flow, right, and rent where you want to live, great. But if you're finding a great deal where you want to live, right, then buy it is my opinion. So it depends on the numbers. Speak to a mortgage broker and actually say, hey, here's a property I want to invest in and here's a property I want to live in. What's the difference in the two? Yeah. And also there's tax benefits. Um, As as you know, uh, the newer properties are usually better from a tax perspective. So uh, is it okay if I throw out a a few numbers out here for people? Oh, yeah, sure. Probably if people are listening to this, grab a pen and a paper yeah, because totally. <laughs> I do this every day and I sometimes forget that not everyone does this every day. Um, but look, on an older property built pre-1985, you get $0 of depreciation benefit. Property built in 2000, say 450000 worth again, 
is only about $1,700, but built today, same value property, there's $12,000 worth of tax benefits you can get typically. Yeah. Right? So just from a tax perspective, buying newer is better. Yeah. Right? Stay away from units. I get pissed off when I see these seminar guys sell units, yeah. and that's one of the things I get on my high horse about. Do not buy a unit. Do not buy an apartment. Um, townhouse and house on land are fine. Yeah. Just anything with land component. So finding something new with land component is a challenge. Um, one of my one of my companies. That's what we, you know, full disclosure. That's what we help our clients do. Yeah. Um, so I've got a vested interest in saying that, but also mm. the question is, you know, as you've heard in Rich Dad Poor Dad, when you're speaking to an advisor, is where are you? Where are you investing? Yeah. Um, and so I'll tell you right now, I've lost money and opportunity costs in two, type, two types of things. A, when I've sold any of my properties. So if you've got properties, don't sell them. Just yeah. hold on to them. Uh, right out the waves. Um, and B, the other time when I've lost money is when I've invested in units, right? Yeah. Because I'll give an example. Um, when I was 18, I bought my first property as I'm shared. Unfortunately, that wasn't the best purchase because I bought a unit. I didn't know better, right? Um, so I bought it for 120. About five years ago, I sold it for about 180. So it really didn't grow. It was a studio apartment in the heart of Melbourne CBD. Yeah. Right? A year later, for about 320, I bought, I bought a townhouse just on the, what was then the outskirts of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, why are you buying a townhouse in the outskirts of Melbourne? And it was negatively geared. So I had to take money out of my pocket every month. So it sucked as an investment. Or so I thought at that stage. Yeah. I refinanced it last year for 800000 That property's maybe 32000 in in capital growth alone a year. Yeah, awesome. Now imagine if you have two or three of those. That's 100 k passive income. People yeah. are searching for that elusive 100 k passive income. It's two or three properties. You don't need to, you know, you, you don't need to work that hard. You just need to have the right strategy and yeah. the right partner. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. I I moved to a new place a few months ago and I'd pay a lot of rent. <laughs> um, yeah. like how much, how um, much you paying would it be worth? It's yeah, it's nine ten a week rent. Um, okay. but it's worth two point four million. Um, there you go. I renting it. That would be my my advice to you. Pardon? My advice to you would be continue renting it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I knew I couldn't afford a 2.4 million property at the moment. So I'm like, I want to live somewhere. I don't, I was paying 390 rent a week in my last place, but it was, this property now is built in 2004. Um, the other one was probably built in, I don't know, the forties or fifties or something. It was falling apart, old Queenslander. And I just, I was, I was sick of living there. We'd been there five years and my mindset and my business had changed a lot in that time. So I wanted something, I didn't want to just take a little step up. I wanted somewhere amazing and we're only 10 k's from the city but surrounded by bushland i see wallabies every morning on my morning walk it's just beautiful and i can run um i run vip days and events and things like that from here so i can use it for business as well so yeah um yeah I was going to ask you as well. So, and I'll, I'll go into some um, questions in a sec from uh, that I put up on Facebook asking if anyone had any questions, um, yep. but just wanted to ask you, I guess, for my own question. Um, would you recommend as a first property buying somewhere local, like within Australia, or is it okay to buy overseas? Oh, that's a really good question. So um, 
before I answer that question, let me preframe. And once again, you know, full disclosure here, most of my properties are in Australia. I do have six properties in the United States mm-hmm. in a particular area. And I have two in India. Yeah. Right. Uh, one, my parents was an emotional purchase. Um, and we're at the point in time in our lives where we can do with the emotional purchases. Uh, but, you know, we're in touch with, we're lucky that it's also growing. Yeah. Um, so should you buy property in Australia or overseas? The question is, how much do you have in savings? Most people who are looking for their first property don't have much in savings and they need to borrow. So ideally, you should buy in Australia for your first property. Only go overseas when you need to diversify. Yeah, okay. So when you've got like five properties here, it's a good idea. Now, I'm not a financial planner. I don't pretend to be one. But common sense dictates diversify a little bit. So... You know, you might choose to buy a property in America, for example, but also be careful, have a good team around you. I've got a great team in America myself, great accountant, great um, et cetera, et cetera, but I, I buy them out of my cash funds that I've got in my existing property. Yeah. So I borrowed the equity of my property here at 4% yeah. and I invested there and I get 15% net return. That's an 11% profit for me. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's, that's what it's like, but just... Do that as your fourth or fifth option, not your first option. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, okay, so I'm going to go into these questions because I know you've been on for a while. I'm going to have to talk to you some other time as well because this is really interesting. Um, cool. So I posted up on Facebook before and I had quite a few questions. So uh, the first one was... Um, he said, um, so Alex said, starting out when your credit is shot to bits and loans are probably not an option. Like how do you get started when you're in that position? Well, there's two ways. Um, your credit might be shot to bits and you want to credit your wealth. A, what shot your credit to bits? Because we need to work on the mindset of that. And if it was a few years ago and you worked on your mindset, then there's some credit repair companies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think CMA Credit Mediation Australia is a really good one. We refer yes, so a lot Alex, of our uh, Sorry to interrupt. Alex is actually in England, by the way. Oh, okay. So yeah. um, I don't know enough about <laughs> the English market. I'm sure yeah. there's some credit repair companies out there. Yeah. Go to a credit repair company. Look, how many years will it take to fix my credit? In that time, it might be one or two years for the credit to be completely fixed because typically if your credit shot to bits, then the credit defaults drop off after a while. Yeah. Right. And your credit automatically gets fixed after a period of time, kind of like demerit points in your driver's license. Yeah. Right. Really similar to that. Um, and so in the meantime, build up your wealth and build up your strategy. I recommend reading um, in the meantime, Tony Robbins book to help set up your bank accounts. He's got a book called money master the game that yeah. teaches you how to set up your bank accounts really well. Yeah. Um, so that as well as richest man in Babylon and just go through an education process outside of yeah sure your credit might be shot to bits but let's get it fixed you know you can't close your eyes and pretend there's no weeds in the gun let's get out there and buy your weeds totally i have have so many clients like that where they're like i'm not listening i'm not listening and they're like their heads in the cloud i had one client who when she first came to me she thought she had 20 something grand worth of debt she only had eight when she actually got real and, and looked at the figures and it's like if your head's in the clouds, it's not going to get any better, even though it's scary and emotional or whatever, you've got to know where you're at to be able to move forwards. 
Well, I think the team's really important. So, like, I mean, you were able to give her perspective on it. So mm. find a good quality um, broker or a property advisor who's on your team, um, use them. Say, hey, I just want to sit down with you. Let's find out where the weeds are and tell me the best strategy yeah. to eliminate those weeds. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Cool. Um, okay, so Carolyn asked, who are you, and I know you touched on this a little bit before. Um, I think these are really good questions. Who are your um, role models and what books are on your bookshelf? Okay, my role models, as I mentioned to you many times, uh, a few times here, Tony Robbins. Yeah. Love his stuff to bits, right? Um, a lot of people bag him out because of the rah-rah, but if you understand, and you, you're a PT, right? So you do this every day. Emotion comes from motion. The more you move, the less likely you are to be depressed. Yeah. Right? That's why he does the big rah-rah sessions. Yeah. Now, Aussies are a little bit anti-rah-rah, but I think Aussies need to move more, just like you. I'm sure you agree as well. Yeah. Right. All right. So Tony's a big guy and um, watch his stuff on Netflix. He's got I'm Not Your Guru on Netflix, which is really powerful. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books, not him as a person. I'm very specific about that. I'm not sure if I like him as a person. He seems like an okay guy, but (laughs) uh, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but Rich Dad does not exist. Right. I met the inspiration behind Rich Dad. He's actually a friend of mine. Keith yeah. Cunningham is another inspiration. Mm. He's an inspiration, Keith Cunningham. Yeah. Um, he's actually the guy that gave Robert the idea for the books. He was his rich friend. Oh, okay. Wow. Yep. So yeah. Keith Cunningham, look him up. Really good stuff for business as well in accounting. Yeah. Um, he teaches accounting in a way that makes it funny. And you basically learn the equivalent of a master's in accounting within like two hours if you do watch his online stuff. Yeah, okay, right. cool. Um, awesome. Really easy to understand. Um, Keith Cunningham, um, who else's books do I have at the moment? I'm reading, um, actually, here, here it is. Hold on, let me show you what I'm reading. Here's two books. Oh, <coughs> there you go. So, um, Drive by Daniel Pink. Okay, cool. Right, really cool guy. Um, basically, he talks about what the mindset behind motivation is because, you know, I'm always curious about what goes on between our ears. Yeah. Um, human development is really important and seeing what makes the outliers perform better than the people every day. Yeah. So just curious about the mindset behind that. And so that's, that's really cool. Really interesting stuff. Um, and also Brendan Bruchard's latest book called the motivation manifesto. Yeah, I've heard all about that actually from a few people now I should get yeah, it. So I, I haven't read it, but Brendan's awesome. So yeah. Uh, yeah. do that. What else am I reading? Uh, I'm just trying to see what else I've got here. <laughs> Tim Ferriss, um, not just – people tend to read the title, The 4-Hour Workweek, think that's all it's about. It's not. Yeah. Um, you know, when I retired for the second time, um, I, did, I went for a month and tried to do nothing and work four <laughs> hours a week. It doesn't work. And I, I went up to Tim and I said, Tim, dude, what the hell, man? Like, I tried. Yeah. I, I tried doing what you suggested. It didn't work. He's like – did you read the book correctly? <laughs> and uh, he said, you should have, while you were in Thailand retired, you should have learned the language and learned how to do Thai cooking or whatever else tickled you fancy. Yeah. You don't sit your ass on a beach and do nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, um, loved, so, I loved his TV series. Um, I saw it online where he was trying, like learning a language in a couple of weeks and all this. Have you seen that? 
Yeah, I saw it. It's, uh, it's really cool, especially the one about parkour. Did you see that one? Yeah, I watched all of them. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, there's some major injuries after doing the parkour. Yeah. Parkour. yeah. Um, now, podcasts, which is I actually do most of my consume, consuming through podcasts. Yeah. Uh, my ones that I've got on my permanent playlist are The Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tim Ferriss Show, which is good. Jarek Robbins Podcast, who's Tony Robbins' son and my coach. He's really good with his podcast. It's like he has like quick 15-minute little podcasts, which is just really easy to consume. Yeah, cool. Uh, and um, Mark Boris's podcast because, well, I think he talks a lot about how small businesses, you know, can succeed. Yeah. Um, in the Australian way. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you can answer this because you're in Melbourne, but someone asked best areas to buy on the Brisbane North side. So I don't know how much you actually know about that. <laughs> Would you believe um, the two areas that we recommend to our clients to invest in is places with land in either Melbourne or yeah. Brisbane. Okay. I, do, I do understand the Brisbane market because I like to go deep yeah. and invest myself. Now, I'm invested currently, my own properties, I've got a few in Pimperman and Coomera, um, in the south side of Brisbane, but the north side of Brisbane that I get a really good feeling, A, feeling, and B, the numbers stack up, mm. is Mango Hills. That opportunity will only be around for a couple of more months. I think we're starting to see Mango Hills price go more above where it needs to be from yeah. a comfortable perspective. Uh, but like the Westfield, the IKEA, a yeah. lot of the things that are happening there, yeah. Uh, really, but Mango Hills is my favourite. Try not to buy in the Dacobin area. Um, yeah. Little secret thing: a few banks have stopped lending out there, and they're overcapitalised. Yeah. So Dacobin is literally like one or two k's away from there. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Yeah. So buy Mango Hills, North Lakes, not so, not so, in, in middle of the range. Yeah. Um, but um, Mango Hills, great. Okay. You know. Cool. Awesome. I know there's a lot of army up around that area as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the army barracks on the way there too. From yeah, the army barracks is near where I used to live. Actually, yeah, at another. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So then, North that's my recommendation. Stay away from Caboolture. I know there's a lot of talk about Caboolture and Morayfield. Yeah. The demographics aren't there. I mean, you know, mm. you're not going to get the best tenants. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so these are some that were in my members group as well. So. Um, one of my clients, Lisa, asked, I would love to know how to balance whether to pay debt off or save money if interest rates aren't an issue. Um, and she also asked about top tip of overcoming fear of not having money. So, for example, in winter, she went without buying a jumper, even though she was freezing, because she felt like she needed to be paying more debt off. Um, okay, we need to... Yeah, totally. Um, I've been working on mindset with her a lot. Wow. Um, <laughs> a, buy the jumper. Right? Yeah, totally. um, I gave this little piece of advice to a, to a friend of mine who considers me his mentor. Um, he's like, he's just finished uni, he started his well-paying job and all that sort of stuff. He said, how do, I, how do I save and how do I enjoy my life? I'm in the best years of my life, but I feel guilty every time I spend a dollar. And I said... Uh, I thought about it and I said, you know what? I'm about to give you the advice I wish someone had given me when I was a little bit younger. Mm. Put, give yourself a dream bank account or a dream bucket where a certain portion of your income goes in there 
and you don't feel guilty about the money you spend in it. Yeah. It's, it's a not guilty bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you do, that's for you. It's for indulgence. Do it. And that 10% or whatever that number is, 10% is a good number to put in it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, not a financial planner, of course, so I don't know the personal expenses, but it's a, it's a good round number to put in there. You go, you know, whatever's in that and I want to spend, I'm going to go out and spend it. And then you actually look forward to like building that up and spending it on like an overseas trip somewhere or, yeah. you know, going to Bali or whatever it is. Yeah. But don't feel guilty because what happens with guilt, it, it blocks the flow of money, Yeah. right? And that, that from, a, from a esoteric point of view, money is an energy. Yeah. Right. Money's an energy. It's a reflection of our relationship with our deep inner self. And the more you block your money, the less will come to you. Right. Allow it to flow, but make it flow smartly. Yeah. Right. So go out and spend because that 10%, that trip that you might have, you might either meet someone on the plane who gives you a really good idea, or you might be so relaxed and refreshed after that. Yeah. That you come and perform ten times as much when you're back. Totally, totally. Right. So taking that time out for you is important. Number that's number one from mindset point of view. But the thing is, if you've got, a, does she have a property? No, she. Uh, they sold. They sold their property, their house, and um, they ended up losing money on it, and that's why she's in debt. Yeah. Where do you mind me asking where about they bought? She's in Tamworth. Yeah, so uh, regional towns are a little bit, a little bit up and down. Yeah, you, you, that's why we recommend capital cities. Um, not inside the capital city itself, but like you know, capital city areas, yeah. metro yeah. areas. Um, if she's lost money, what I would do is I would go out and go and get another investment property if she has any funds left, mm. right? Um, and set up the offset account with it so that any income she receives goes straight into the offset account and basically helps her pay her debt down automatically. Now, if she doesn't have enough funds for that, then she's got to, um, got to keep aside money to pay off her debt. And also she can, there's some templates available online where you can request your debtors to give you a bit of a break and, and basically negotiate with them. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so if you Google it, you'll find the answer to that particular, where the templates are, but yeah. you can usually negotiate with debtors, but tell them to make sure that you don't get your credit file yeah. hit on that, right? Yeah. And your credit file in Australia is very important. If you get a black mark on it, you're basically limited to what sort of lending you can get for five years. Yeah. Okay. Now there are ways around it that, you know, you limit your options rather than increase your options. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. And the last question I had was from Ali. Um, She said, because you've already answered a couple of the other ones, actually, from what we've been talking about. Um, So Ali said, what features should you look for in an investment property? New is really important, (laughs) right? New, but a couple of the other metrics we look at um, when we mentor our clients is, is it close to a school? Is it walking distance from a school? Yeah. Right, it's walking distance because you're more likely to get your property investment property at least rented out um, if it's closer to the school and if it's within a good school catchment area, it tends to go a little bit better. Um, B is it is it walking distance to the local shopping strip? Yeah. Um, or is it within a couple of minutes to drive to the local shopping area like Woolies and Coles? Um, C 
where's Aldi's investing in? Now, this sounds like a really random <laughs> thing to say about Aldi's, but yeah. the Aldi's down the road from you charges the same price as Aldi's down the road from me, yeah. right? The Coles down the road from you and the Woolies is a different price to the Coles and Woolies down the road from me. Yeah. Now, Aldi's do so much research. They spend millions of dollars on research every year to figure out where population is going to grow so they get enough foot traffic to charge the same price at every store. Yeah. Right? So they've done the population metrics. Why would I go and do my population metrics even more yeah. if Aldi's have really done hard the work, the work for me? Have a look at seeing where they're popping up, yeah. right? Oh. Westfields are about to come up. Westfields are a really good indicator as well yeah. because uh, once again, they spend million dollars, millions of dollars on population research. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Um, what you stay away from, um, stay away from units. Just don't buy units. Just stay. Yeah. And um, in Victoria, your Victorian clients might call the unit. When I say units, I mean apartments. In yeah. Victoria, sometimes they they call townhouses units. Sometimes okay. um, townhouses are fine. I love townhouses. I live in one myself. Yeah. Right. Um, close to the city, all that sort of jazz. Um, and the other thing you want to watch out for, if you're buying an existing property, get a valuation done first. Yeah. Right. Speak to whoever's on your finance team. Um, even come speak to us. Well, I'm happy to get your clients a free valuation. Yeah. Um, usually three to $400. Um, you know, I'm happy to uh, give your clients a free valuation as part of my Yellow Brick Road franchise. Awesome. Thank you. I just saw one more question, actually. Um, so Sue was saying that she brought it, bought a property a couple of years ago in Perigian Springs. Um, oh, yeah. I think that's on the Gold Coast. Is that right? It's Sunshine um, Coast. Oh, Sunshine Coast. Um, do you know much about that area? She was asking if that's a good area or good investment. I've got a, I've got a client who's bought property there. She loves it. Um, yeah. Good quality tenant. And the, that area is actually about to go through a new revitalization with a new hospital coming in. Okay. Uh, Sunshine Coast, it, it is on the high end price point of Sunshine Coast, not the highest, but the, it's on the mid high range. I still think it, that area's got some growth to go. But in the meantime, growth is just, and this goes for any property, growth is a guess. Yeah. Right? I'm not the yeah. devil's advocate. I can teach, say that it's going to grow and not grow, and I've been wrong before. Yeah. I'm happy, you know, I'm not happy to be wrong again, but. <laughs> I've learned, like, you know, growth is a guess, but if you have the right loan structure, it's almost like growth doesn't matter. Yeah. Growth is icing on the cake. Um, if, you, if you have the wrong loan structure, then you're screwed either way. So yeah. um, I would ask, hey, do you have an offset and are you utilising it effectively where every single dollar you earn is offsetting your home loan so you can buy your next property? Because yeah. I'm assuming buying one property won't change your life. Buying two or three, that's, what, that's when it starts changing your life. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, no, Paris That's not bad, yeah. right? Um, and there, there should be. Uh, I'm looking at that question now. Um, we're looking for tenants. If anyone knows someone, <laughs> uh, I'll give you a. I'll give you an idea. One of my clients who's in there has got a tenant that signs one year leases and pays six months in advance. Yeah. So she pays six months worth of rent in one lump sum yeah. because we gave her a ten dollar discount on rental. Yeah. I when I moved here, I um, I signed a two year lease because I don't, I don't like I was in my last place five years. I don't want to move every year, um, so I signed a two year lease. I got forty dollars a week off my rent, 
we get a pool guy that comes every month and they left all this furniture. Like they left these six recliners and um, for anyone watching the video, there's a, the projector there with the movie room um, and outdoor furniture as well. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> is the pool guy, is the pool guy cute? <laughs> no, he's an old guy. <laughs> but you have to, you know, you, whenever you hear about a pool guy, you've got this mind. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you have any final tips or, um, yeah, anything that you'd like to, to finish off with? You know, um, Okay, well here it is. It's once again my first podcast, so I haven't um, <laughs> I haven't prepped for this. Um, but what I would say is that getting your finances in control is easier than you think. Get an expert on your side if you're not an expert, and become the expert eventually. And and at the same time, allow that money to flow uh, in the right place. Yeah. Right. Because what you don't realize is that. Um, your knowledge of finance, as I like to say, will help you, will determine the changes between becoming relatively well off and creating generational wealth. That's wealth for your kids and your grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Um, Where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Okay, well, it's really easy. If you're looking from a finance perspective, uh, you can check out Yellow Brick Road Preston. So that's P-R-E-S-T-O-N. And we'll take care of you from a finance perspective. And if you need evaluation done, my team will take care of that as well. Uh, And then if you want some guidance around property and mentoring around property, the best thing to do is to either send an email directly to myself, which is Goro, G-O-R-O, at 10propertiesin10years.com. That's just the number one zero, 10propertiesin10years.com. Or just go to the website, 10propertiesin10years.com. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not the AU, just the .com. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay, awesome. Cool. Um, it's funny. I was actually born in Preston, but in England. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go. small world. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks so much. It's been a really great um, conversation. I've obviously I've filmed the the video and the audio, so I'll be putting the audio up on the podcast and sharing the video around as well. And um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. All right. Thanks for that. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah.